stuff. Yeah, that the up. mic just tends to go I up. I can on bump me. that up with um, a bit of um, compression. Yes, a bit of a bit of Russell Ford and magic. Yep. Yeah, music, audio, magic, cheating, we call it. In some cheating. Way. Editing, editing. It's just nothing wrong with that. So, Russ, we're on to Swamp Podcast number 11 on New Year's Day 2017. Um, yes, we are, yeah. So, welcome to 2017. That's right. On and the Swamp. I, 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 so, so far, we're about sort of, um, I don't know, maybe about 17 hours into 2017. Have you already broken all of your resolutions? Um, or did that include not making one this year? Yeah, I didn't make any. What's the, what's the point? What's yeah, the point? You're going to yeah. break them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know. How about you? Um, I ha- haven't consciously made any any resolutions, probably, but for the same reason that um, mm. there was a time I thought that that used to be fun. Not- um, but so no resolutions, but but probably feeling very resolute about, um, I mm. guess, um, longer term projects that have maybe been in the background. So um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, sure. Well, you see, all you can do is keep plugging at it. it yeah, is the way I look at it. So last year yeah. was like that. Yeah. A year of trying and failing often, but you know, at least you're trying, and you get, you know, yeah. a rejection letter from a, a, an editor. You know, it's still an example. Of, well, at least I tried. Yeah, I mean, I you think know, that like um, I we, couldn't have got the rejection without trying in the first place. That's right. I mean, I think we sort know. Of have covered that in some of the. Um, yeah, the earlier podcast that uh, yeah for for both of us and you know, talk, talking about your writing that um uh yeah some, maybe 2016 in so many ways uh was about sort of just throwing enough balls yeah. out there in the air to get something going and yeah. hopefully and this is a year of consolidation yeah and also applies to this podcast I should think and yeah. the swamp you know just yeah. uh, having that consolidated and getting getting people listening yeah we're and, finally on on iTunes and the website's up and running yeah and, um, that's right and, and we're on to episode to 11 and know, what's not to love about yeah, that it's yeah. not not so long ago that this was just another another discussion but no another dream another dream but 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 it's an idea in someone's yeah, head it's coming to some fruition it is yeah. yes yeah yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the, the year interview briefly. Everyone's doing it, really. You know? So yeah. why can't we? Is, indeed, is indeed. Yep. We get the opportunity to do that. So let's talk about um, music. What was your favourite music for the year, would you say, 2016? Yeah, well, look, I, I, I guess that, um, uh, I mean, certainly for me, it was a year of listening actually to lots of music, but um, yep. maybe like most of these days, uh, uh, you know, look, look, most most of the new music I was listening to was really through things like sort of uh, Spotify that yeah. um, um, would just sort of pop up and um, – and you, you, you know, new albums that I came across. I mean, I yeah. was listening the other day to, um, you know, Opeth's new album, which is a oh, yeah. kind of interesting sound. They, they um, reminds me actually a lot of sort of uh, kind of almost a dream theatre sound now. So, um, um, yeah, very much looking forward to their proggy. yeah, even more proggy, and really looking forward to their upcoming concert in Melbourne in, in Feb that we're both down to go yep. to. Um, so that that should be really good. In all of the uh, New Year Eve celebrations that I saw from around the world, of you know, as the fireworks went off in in Sydney and mm. Melbourne and and the UK and Times Square and so on, but all paying homage to um you know to 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 Bowie mm. um, with their with their the chosen theme yeah. music, and I thought you know that that must have counted for something, you know. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of stiff shit for everyone else who died. <laughs> that, that's that's right. Well, he was up. Yeah, I guess um in, in a year of so many uh, uh, famous people dying. Um, um, he certainly must have you know, stood very tall in the forest. So uh, he yeah. certainly did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, think of the, the, some of the small fry who also died. Who we've almost forgotten. I'm thinking John English. I'm thinking yeah. Stevie Wright. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, yeah some great icons. <laughs> but, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, especially in the context of. Um, but they didn't have a new albums that either. So. Yeah, you know that. that I, I thought that um, I've still got to get a copy of that really fascinating book that you um, presented on on some podcast seven or eight. Uh, that the uh, local music goes around my head. Yeah, um, which um, obviously, um, you know, it's interesting reflecting on on on, on that particular book that um, spends so much time exploring um, the careers of artists like that. Yeah. So, you know, um, some yeah. really great Australian icons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Know, um, well, let me yeah. let me throw a few of my other favourites at you yeah. before you know before time rolls over it. Um, Teenage Fan Club's Here album, I would like to give a good shout out to. I'm actually going to be seeing them in March this right, year. Okay. They come yeah, out yeah, yeah. playing the the corner. Yeah. Have to do that. In fact, I saw online um, they someone posted a, a, a brief concert excerpt of them doing an old um, Grant McLennan song, Easy Come Easy Go, which was oh, fantastic. Right. Um, yeah, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so so definitely that that album, um, and clearly um, Lacuna Coils, Delirium uh, was another one. Um, there was only really a handful of albums that came out last year that I actually bought, and those were, uh, and I guess um, Robert Forster's songs to play. Even even though disclaimer, it apparently <laughs> came out 2015 yeah, September. Yeah. I came to it um, a little bit later, but that's all part of being in the swamp and you know missing things and. Yeah, yeah, that, um, you know, things, um, I, I mean, that's things interesting. Things up later than yeah, the, you did. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to reflect on, you know, that, um, you know, almost the, sort of the, the, the point of the show is that um, even just from a week-to-week basis that um, there's barely time to reflect on the things that we do see, read, watch, discuss, let alone all the things that we we haven't been able to get across because um, just the volume of stuff that's coming yeah. at us and for everybody. Yeah. And, um, yeah, hopefully the um, it's almost one of the, 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 the primary driver ethos for the show is to just try and make at least some personal sense of, of, yeah. of that for ourselves. Put it in so, context yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, bring yeah. it in. Um, and it's great. There's just so, so much really good stuff that's um, yeah. that's out there, you know. Yeah. So the sad bit is obviously just not having enough time to do it all and do mm. all of it justice. But, yeah, that's um, right. You know, um, well, with that in mind, let me just give you my final pop pick yes, for the year. Yeah. I, I have to I have to mention the Bank or Camp Cope. No, you no, never heard of no, them, have you? No. The Australian group, um, right. local group, and and they're a band that actually have been getting kudos in all the street mags and in, in the end of year lists as well. Right, very indie um, to be found on Bandcamp and all the rest of it. But they're really starting to make inroads. Um, but yeah, Camp Cope, uh, and I definitely would be a band I would cite as a really good band who were around last year, and also they're they're touring a fair bit too. So you again, they're like gigging you- all over the place. So. I recommend them. Yeah, sure. you're right. Because I'm so, just sort of reading here from uh, an article taken from Beat Magazine that yep. um, their John debut Ritter. debut LP was um, launched at the John Curtin Hotel on May the 13th this year. There you so, go. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that album, yeah, has been really cited as like one of the albums of the year. Right. Okay. So the, the obviously. I mean, come, I certainly got an email from uh, from Bandcamp saying that it had come out and you know check it out and blah blah blah. Yeah, so a camp, camp Cope soulful indie punk. That's all right. Played under Max raspy and robust voice, have made it okay to enjoy feeling angst again. There you go. And mm. the, the, there are three piece with Georgia Mack, Callie Dawn Helmrich, and Sarah Thompson. But Camp Cope. Camp all right. Coop. That's one one to look out for in 2017. That's right. That's music for the year. Yeah. yeah You've been yeah. told. <laughs> Swamp. 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 Do it like jumping again. Do it like jumping again. Do it like jumping again. Swamp. 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 Do it like jumping
Because we're making groovy movies. It's movie time. That's an old Kinks song, by the way. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Oh, you should have known. That's one of the obscurities on the Great Lost Kinks album, yes, no, only, sung by Dave Davies. He no, said, only, only, learnedly. Only the, the, that, that dying band of Kinks fans would, would know that. Ah, oh, well, we're not dying. We're, we're tumescent is how I would describe us at this point. Um, so we're going to talk about the film, the, the year of films. The year of films, um, yeah. What an amazing year it was. Um, yes, no. Um, for uh, me, well, it was – It definitely ended well for me in that I, in I know we both went to see um, Arrival <laughs> and um, I, I think – well, we both were, but – I, I thought it was great. Fair enough. Well, um, for me, the film of the year would have been Hail Caesar. From the Coen Brothers. The Coen Brothers, yeah. yeah. From earlier this year, it had George Clooney in it, um, set in the 1950s in Hollywood. Um, just a wacky sort of black comedy, I guess. Um, George Clooney's character gets kidnapped by these communists and uh, right. all kinds of chaos ensues. Um, and in the meantime, his character has been has been in the middle of making this film set in um, biblical times. Um, <laughs> and so there's a lots of sort of um, satire, broad satire about religion and um, and Hollywood in general. And it's just, it was funny and cutting and um, yeah. thoroughly enjoyable. Um, the Coen brothers in, in top form Fully, as usual, really. Yeah. Um, and that was really at the start of the year. And I hadn't really seen anything since then that, that – um, Was up there on that. That was as good. I mean, like you said, Arrival, um, I saw the new Star Trek movie. That was okay, I guess. Um, I guess if I had to pick another one, it would be actually Rogue One, the, the Star Wars movie. Um, would be an, another favourite for the year. Just come out. I've just seen it. So I need time to – yeah, internalize kind of, it a bit yeah. uh, but my feeling is it was a pretty solid film um yep. so i'd put it up there um and so that's really my my year f- in films but uh, i guess admittedly i didn't see a lot of them so was that that sort of a measure of just you know being busier than before or or that there hasn't been as many things around that no, you've wanted to go basically and see. you put your nail on the head there yeah really, yeah. yeah and that that in itself is i guess part of that broader discussion that we're having it wasn't that, it was a pretty you know, lackluster year yeah, i would say ultimately yeah, yeah. but having said that um I was looking over the list of movies that came out this year or that are coming out, and there were a number of them that looked pretty intriguing that I either missed or that are hopefully coming out very shortly. I'd like to just briefly go over some of them. Um, Cafe Society was um, a film, uh, the latest Woody Allen. Right, yeah. I did did not know. Um, Set in the 1930s, um, I think New York. Um, An interesting film, well, a film with an interesting title, For the Love of Spock. Okay. Yeah. Which, directed by Adam Nimoy, um, Leonard's son, about the whole Spock sort of legend. Doc- documentary. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, but that looked pretty interesting, all yeah, about because yeah, yeah. he died this year, didn't he? I think he died this year. Leonard Nimoy? Um, Was I it last year? it might have been 2015, but yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, he was in the, the new Star Trek movie, um, Star Trek Beyond, so I think he did die this year. You, you could be right. I mean, there's so, so, many, yeah. so many have died. Last I'm pretty no, I'm pretty yeah, year. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. 2016. Yeah. But that looked pretty interesting. Um, and another film, The Lennon Report, which is a documentary about around the time of uh, John Lennon's assassination, all the people that were involved in that, the oh, the right. nurses, the okay. doctors who were try who were trying to save his life. Yeah, yeah. A documentary yeah. about that. Um, interesting. But that's been and gone as well, Heather. Yeah, all of, most of these. I'll tell you when ones that haven't actually sure. haven't gone. No, yet, I'm only but, surprised in that one that you just didn't. 
just well, go they're and pretty see. small, minor yeah. film. This is a might have got, got to run at the Nova. Yeah, and if you right, didn't go a on lot that, of them. that weekend, you missed it, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. that's right. And you know, my local, our local cinema, yeah. you know, pretty much only shows all the big budget movies. Yeah. If we yeah. want to see got a these, few art house things, but yeah. you want the interesting yeah. art house, these independent yeah, you've movies, you got to go in the city. Yeah. And that's where where we missed them. So the Lennon yeah, yeah. Report went and gone. There was a film called American Pastoral based on the the, the novel by Philip Roth, yep. which I read. And it's directed by Ewan McGregor, who actually acts in it. Um, it was apparently a pet project of his. Um, right. Yeah. He's and he's an I interesting like actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is his first directed yeah. work. Um, so I think it would be worth checking out. Um as often happens with these things where actors have a go at um, – I know Kevin Spacey had a go with a film about Bobby – there's a pop singer. Um, oh. Um, you know the one I mean? Not Bobby Darren? Bobby Darren, yeah, yeah. He did it where he played he yeah. played Bobby Darren. Way too old to play him, but um, yeah. yeah. But these sort of um, passion projects that actors sometimes do can some usually fall flat, but they're worth seeing, I find, yeah. sometimes. Yeah, just to see the effort. So American yeah. Pastoral was one. And a film that's coming out, I believe, though, I think it's had its run in the US, Edge of 17. It's sort of a teen – Teen uh, coming of age flick featuring a, a teenage girl, and it's been compared to those um, John Hughes movies, Sixteen right. Candles, which right. oh, that that alone makes me interested in seeing it. But I believe it hasn't come out yet, so it's some yeah, one, one to look one forward to yeah, in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, yeah. uh, a film called Neruda. You know about Pablo Neruda. Pablo Neruda, yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, the yeah. Chilean poet yeah, and um, senator, I think he was, and that it looks into. Um, yeah. His time in in government and trying to expose the corruption and and getting all the blowback Fallout, from that, yeah. and then coming up with his uh, venti poemas and yes. song of despair. Yes. Yes. For those people who know, I mean, I learned about this from doing my a Spanish course many years ago, and we we yeah, learned yeah, some yeah. stuff about Pablo Neruda. Yeah. So that's a nice foreign film that that interests me. Passengers, which is coming out very shortly. Yep, that we might go um, see, that might get a local run. But well, yeah. I was actually hoping to see it yesterday. I wanted right. to do something, but it wasn't. It's not out yet, basically. Oh, okay. Yep. But I don't really need to explain passengers. It's pretty well known out there at the moment. Clearly, yep. a film worth seeing. The Revenant, uh, which came out earlier this year with um, Leo Cap- DiCaprio. Yeah, that, 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 caused, that sounded interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that caused quite a stir. I mean, just there's an extraordinary scene of. Uh, him being attacked by a, by a bear, bear yeah. yeah, that's meant to be quite, quite uh, difficult to watch, but extraordinarily filmed and yeah. acted and whatever it was, but um, really realistically brought to life. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, yeah. what sounds interesting to me, and yeah. somehow I, I let it go. I guess it might have yeah. been. In fact, Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. I don't know, but yeah. But it sounds like a film worth seeing. Um, and Pride and Prejudice and Zombies came out, and I missed it. Wow. Did um, you know that there was a film version of the, the book Pride and Prejudice and Zombies come out? No, well, I did not. Apparently, yeah, it did. Came, I'm sure it was really bad, but um, I've got to see that. Um, yeah, well, look, for, for you to uh, to have missed on those, you must have been a bit oh, a it's busy crazy. lad. It's yeah. crazy, man. I, I just can't believe it. And there seemed to be a lot of sequel type movies um crouching tiger hidden dragon had a sequel last wow. year which yeah. i did not know yeah i didn't know the original movie it's one of my favorites it. yeah um and so this one's called sort of destiny um, and apparently michelle yeo returns i don't i'm pretty sure chow young fat is not in it um yep, i think it was chow young fat that's um, the name that fat is correct but fat. i'm not sure about the Anyway, start there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. never yeah, mind. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. But um, 
uh, not directed by Ang Lee either, but um, definitely just from those credentials alone, I think yeah, probably it's got to be worth, worth seeing. seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of sequels, another one, Ten Cloverfield Lane, um, as kind of a sequel or yeah, sequel to the Cloverfield film, uh, which was directed by J.J. Abrams. Yep. Did yep. you ever see that? No, but I, but I heard good things It's about one of those it. handheld camera type films yep. where it's all set based through the lens of this this person holding a camera, sort of uh, cinema verite. And it's basically a monster movie. And Clo- 10 Cloverfield Lane apparently takes us up um, a little bit later on and, and it's set in this underground bunker during um, the devastation of what had happened in the first film. Sounds interesting to me. I guess the other one I'd, I'd like to say, the ones that left, is um, there is a new Ken Loach film coming out. Yeah, you do something um, that Richard Wolf was talking about on a recent uh, Yeah, recent um, I, Daniel Blake, um, right. which well, I really love Loach's few, work. So, yeah, me too. Yeah. So um, that's a pretty another gritty sort of kitchen sink look at life under – British unemployment and poverty, basically. It sounds like lots of fun Yeah, yeah, but the usual sort of loach themes. Uh, yeah, yeah, but really well done, apparently, and there's been right. quite a lot of people raving about it, so that's one uh, to look sorry, out Russ, for. You, you were saying that that's also been that, released? No, or? that hasn't come out yet. Right, okay. Oh, well, that's, that's one, to, one maybe... to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's had its release, I think, in Britain. It's certainly yeah. in, in the United States. If, if Richard Wolff has been able to review it, yeah. we of course get the, the get it last, but uh, that's okay. Yes, that's yep. okay. Yep. We'll get Worth to... looking looking forward to, I reckon. Yep. So we've got a few things to look forward to, and not just um, stuff in the cinema, but um, stuff on DVD or Blu-ray or download. However you However care you to consume your content yes, today. Yes, pretty you much. Know, um, yeah. Are there any that you can think of that that um, coming up or? Uh, yeah, definitely passengers that I'll po- possibly go and see with you because um, uh, I've yeah. only heard good things. Um, yep. Uh, I know that um, uh, Why Him is a film that I might go and see with the family as well because it's just got some um, James Franco and Brian, Brian uh, Cranston. Cranston and other a cast that is definitely up my alley. So that yeah. looked like good fun. Um, yep, I but, agree. But there's nothing really else that's jumping out at me. So, yeah. um, you know, and I'll do well. If, if if I go and see those two, that I've done well already. So yeah. You are such a an in depth film buff. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, that was for me the year 2016 in film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. So welcome to yet another. Swamped. Well, we're still on the theme of uh, the year in review. I would briefly like to talk about just simply um, TV because um, I had this question, what what is TV these days, really? Um, Is it um, just the free-to-wear stuff that we watch for free or is it um, what I'm watching Foxtel as well? Is it your Netflix? Is it your DVDs that you download or rather buy? What is TV? It's a really interesting question, right? Because I think um, could almost sort of argue that um, TV is dead. I mean, that you know, one view is that um, long live the king. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that like whether we've I think we've talked about this a bit before about this before that even um, you know like yeah you know, Australian sort of media moguls like like the Packer family that actually sold out of their television interests because they from their point of view I guess saw the writing on the wall that it was no longer the rivers of yeah. advertising gold yeah. that it used to be simply because. People now watch it completely differently, <clears throat> but I think possibly. I mean, the um, I mean, I think we've talked about that before. That there's still something about the immediacy that it can offer. Say with news events and certainly sports events because they're live, mm. is still something that's uh, well, people are obviously prepared to pay a premium for so much so that 
you know, Murdoch and Fox and so on. Are, uh, in, in fact, there's a whole move. Like, like, like yeah. I mean, pretty much all sport now, you've got to basically pay for it yep. um, and pay for the, the privilege of watching something live. Um, so it's maybe always going to have that about it. I think we've also talked before about, like, the whole move to reality TV it, one of the reasons why why there's so much emphasis on uh, on, on on sort of the, the so-called reality TV shows is because they're, they're they're filmed in real time and so and they're cheap to make and they're cheap to make <sighs> um, so the content's really different but maybe the real point is that like um, yeah so whilst obviously most of us are now watching we want to watch what we want to watch when we want to watch it, um, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on on, on Netflix and other platforms, um, whether it's uploading CDs in our own time, our viewing patterns have obviously uh, have changed the content, and the content's changing the viewing patterns. So the idea of us all, uh, perhaps like once upon a time, sitting around religiously at six o'clock in the evening to watch the six p.m. news, mm. I don't think that those days will come back. But there's something about television, I think, that's still well, I, I guess me and you are very much um, perhaps historically will become known as the television generation, um, get, having grown up in the sixties and seventies, you know, as 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 we did. Um, when yeah, that was that's the a only, fair point. Yeah. Yeah. So so for us, the experience is a little bit different. What will it be like in the future? I don't know, but I I think it'll still have its place. Having said all of that, which is I think really what you're wanting to focus on yeah. in our discussion now, is that so what would be some of the highlights and moments I would take yeah, out of TV? If this any. Year? Well, that's interesting. We might have to think about our genres a little bit. That I mean, some of the more interesting things that I actually saw that's neither television or film has mm. really been whatever we call that is some of the things I saw on Netflix, like the um, uh, 20, 22. 11. There was 11. 11 63. 63. The one about just the Kennedy assassination, the, the, the no, Stephen King. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I would have watched that in sort of two weeks and just thought it was great. Yeah, that's more TV. Yeah, so, but, um, so there's some great television being made. Year? It's was just it last year? not on TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Okay, that's I'm not enough. consuming it on TV. Yeah. And also the one with um with, with Winona Ryder, I thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, uh, was it Stranger Things? Yeah, absolutely. Which um, was was, <clears throat> and I believe that they're on to a, a, a getting a second series made now. So so so, so it's interesting, Russ. That like um, I guess whether we just call it you know cinematic experiences, but whether they're um, on screen, on the big screen, on a TV, or through a streaming service device through your tablet or whatever. Mm. Um, I guess it's just content, and um, I guess film cinematic content what was my favorite film cinematic content and they would certainly be two of the ones i really really enjoyed okay you know? yep um, and Fair partly enough. the reason for enjoying them is, is because i've been able to now watch them when i wanted to um and be able to watch them for as much as i wanted to and then leave them and then come back to them and um mm -hmm. and so forth yep. so um i think Somewhere in there lies where is television going? Yeah. 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 yeah well, I can think of one thing. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit by saying I have my always have my in my regulars when it comes to TV. I'm almost pretty much religiously a channel two SBS viewer. Hardly yeah. watch anything else but those channels, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, I'm that sort of snob. I'm probably yeah. what am I, Chardonnay drinking yeah. socialist, yeah. whatever? <laughs> but basket weaver, who something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't handle those ads. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I have my regulars: the R Rage Show, Good Game, Media Watch, etc. Okay, I'm not really going to count them. The only thing I can think of that that was came out last year that was reasonably new and interesting was Rosehaven. 
Simple yeah, as that. So and it wasn't that great, I have to say, in the end, but um, it was but just quirky and refreshing. Was yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really hanging out for the, the next season of Utopia, which hopefully should will happen this year. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much TV for me. The Swamp! Yeah. But I briefly would like to just mention um, in passing a very brief review for Fear the Walking Dead, uh, which I only just saw. Um, yeah. And it was pretty good. Um, lots of zombies, so you got to love that. But the whole idea, uh, it, it starts sort of maybe a couple of weeks into the, the zombie outbreak um, where most people still don't know any, anything about it. And then it basically takes you through to the point where I guess the Walking Dead series begins where the main character Rick sort of wakes up in his hospital bed and comes out and finds, you know, chaos. Yeah. Um, but it takes us from a view of a, of a family in um, East LA, actually, as opposed to um, Georgia, I think, um, Walking Dead is, is set in. Um, and basically their travails in discovering what's what's going on and what happens because it, it, it develops in an interesting way in that the the the, um, the military show up at one point just as they're deciding they better leave LA and go to the desert and and basically cordon off the area and um, hope try to um, control the situation and and control the the problem but they make things worse obviously so it's a very interesting storyline but I think what for me what what made it fall down was the the characters, the family unit that was presented was so cliched um, and yeah, so uninteresting, and the actors I thought weren't very good at all. It didn't work for me one little bit. Particularly, I think the, the main character, played by Kim Dickens, um, her acting's shocking in some ways. Right. Kim Dickens, uh, she was she's been in some good shows. She was in Treme, she was in um, Deadwood, um, and she's also been in Sons of Anarchy. But um, in this this show, um, didn't like the acting at all. Well, I mean, she res- she's got no range. I mean, she, re- she responds to this zombie attack in the same way she might res- respond to say her daughter complaining about you know yeah, what's on TV. It's just the the ah, yeah, oh, yeah. it was like ah, and she's not the only one. Everyone else, I just it just really felt like it was badly cast. There's only a couple yeah, of characters. That maybe raised almost like um, as a non filmmaker, but certainly film lover, that maybe more direction questions badly. Mm, well, the director is bad acting is often the, the whole... well bad act, uh, acting is often the, the the fault of the director. The director is there and they can see whether yeah. it's working or not, and yeah. then they change it. You know, uh, so they make their actor act well. Yeah, you know, it's contemplative. To bring it to their attention. Um, so that can be part of, it. but also the casting director, the producers, you know, blame everyone basically. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. most of the show is great, but um, it just. There was something off about the acting. Um, I think Kim Dickens probably acted better in other shows, um, so I don't want to sort of blame her completely. But yeah, um, on this occasion. Um, Whereas there was another character who comes in. I think the second season, second episode. Um, Ruben Blades. You ever heard of him? No. Uh, he's a Mexican actor. I think he's Mexican. Um, but he he does a very good job. But um, and you've got to love that name, Ruben Blades. Ruben. He's been in a number of good things, but he's about the only yeah, good thing non, I found. Non, it. non sort of Mexican name. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I would, well, there are quite a few Hispanics because it is set in East LA, right. um, which is interesting in of itself because there are, you know, they keep the, the authenticity of that alive by having a lot of um, Hispanic yeah, um, characters urban, and actors in there. And yeah, Kim Dickens jungle. is well. Kim Dickens is one of the few sort of blondie, you know, right. types in there. Um, so wasp. that from that point of yeah, waspy types. Yeah. So that from that point of view, it's interesting. But um, yeah, the family makeup and the the drama that, that involved with the son who's a drug addict and the daughter who's a whiny teenager is pretty by the by the book and you know, pretty right. boring. 
Um, so disappointing. Right. Uh, but zombies. So yeah, hey, so that, the zombies kept me going, and the chaos of the yeah. the situation kept me going. Um, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you, you you would give it the big the big miss. Pretty much. If it didn't have the Walking Dead brand on there, no, I wouldn't have been there. Don't want no double tracking. We won't double track your voice on that. Uh, come, no come on and come on in and have a listen. Come on in and have a listen, Red. What was it you said before? I'm not sure, but I'm definitely um, have been uh, reading lots lately, um, Russ, and um, have come across um, a, a couple of real beauties. And um, I was going to talk a little bit about um, a recent read of uh, a new book. I uh, and I. Fairly sure, I haven't got that at hand. That it might be his first go at, uh, um, at, at certainly at fiction, but um, uh, I think it's an English academic called Pete Fraze, F R A S E, mm-hmm. um, who's recently released Four Futures: Future of Capitalism. And, mm, um, sounds interesting. Yeah, what an extraordinary read. So Fraze, um, I mean, I guess sort of, uh, yeah, right from the sort of. The, the, the get-go, I mean, um, what he's interested in is looking at, well, at, at capitalism and, and, and where are things going for all of us. And, Ooh, capitalism. Uh, he, he, I guess, primarily postulates that we're at this really interesting juncture of history um, because we've got kind of two major twin crises or anxieties for um, humanity that have, that have collided, and one obviously being um, uh, climate change and where we're going with that, um, but this is happening at the this ecological uh, uh, disaster is happening at the very same time as we're on the precipice of, I guess, what he would he and others would call uh, sort of the the second not industrial revolution, but the second um, technological revolution. Um, the, the, yeah. the, the industrial revolution, perhaps, being the first. Um, this now we're into the midst of um, um, this digital revolution. That has the promise of um, a whole lot of um, uh, change, you know, especially in the field of automation and robotics. And what and he's particularly interested in um, what does that mean for production and particularly for labour or for work, the future of work, given that mm. um, most of us are dependent on, um, you know, basically selling our labour to earn 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 a, a upright and moral living, and without <laughs> it, what the fuck are we going to do? You know, how do we pay the rent? And so his his book is really a look at, like, so how do these two things interplay? When it's in that sense that he poses for futures. So mm-hmm. um, he's talking about these are some possible responses, likely responses mm. to the crisis that we find ourselves in. So he spends a bit of the book talking about um, how we've arrived at this point um, in, in capitalism, that we're on this precipice of these twin... Um, opportunities and threats, um, namely, um, you know, ecology and climate change, 
and technological change and automation <coughs> and what are going to be the likely um, responses to those. And, and the four futures themselves, I mean, he, he postulates um, as uh, one possible solution or response being communism, one other one being rentism, uh, socialism and exterminism. For the communists, I mean, technology promises really to free people um, from the need uh, to work at all. That that is, um, uh, if if uh, technology can now produce as much of what we need and want, um, then it's freed people up um, from from having to, to a work themselves. Yeah. Um, and and that in 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 and of itself, um, it will find an equilibrium where it's able to basically create um, the the answers to the ecological disaster. So the technology itself, perhaps if you if we're thinking say of things like um, you know the fast developments in solar energy, the fast mm. developments in new mm. technologies that are in of themselves responses to climate change. That mm. it has a certain faith that the science will be able to eventually bring these systems back into equilibrium, um, but that we would move into a future where people are it it's sort of irrelevant about not having work. That's not a problem. That's actually a desired outcome that people mm. no longer need to work. Communism has perhaps been his um, his desired outcome, but probably the you know the most um, what would yeah, I it say? seems to be the most naive potentially um, is the word I um, would use um, and the word he might use is maybe that um it's it 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 needs the most mapping out it's mm. it's not yet um, and it fully needs, developed and it needs, definitely needs the most government input and, and control or or, or, or lack of it might just need the most work from um, um, thinkers, revolutionaries, the mm. intelligentsia people. Mm. Um, it needs the most consciousness. It's a matter. It's, it requires yeah. the changing of our consciousness to sort of mm. implement. So it's hard to do. It it offers by far the best uh, of all possible worlds mm. and the best yeah. solution in Freire's terms. Yeah. But it's probably going to be. It's the least likely simply because it's so much more difficult mm. to implement. Mm. Uh, the second one, which is rentism, is almost kind of in some ways the where we are now, which mm. is the view that as technology um, comes on board and whether these are then responses to uh, uh, climate change, uh, basically it's, we're moving to a society where as long as one has the money, mm. and especially in a society where the money is dependent upon our capacity to earn it, that is that there are still jobs and who will have these jobs where they can still earn enough money to, for example, um, be able to use the internet, be able mm. to buy computers, be able to buy the air conditioners and the heaters to keep themselves warm and cool, yep. be able to uh, buy the um, exponentially higher and higher cost of food as we find a planet that's um, um, not, no longer able to sustain um, agriculture as it has. So he's really sort of saying that it's a world pretty much like capitalism is now it's really based on that idea that but um the the, the future technology not not too dissimilar really to property um the future technology becomes almost the primary asset that those who own the the technology therefore own the means of production are able to probably um you know carve out probably very nice futures surrounded by um uh, extraordinary technology able to do extraordinary things uh, living in, um, I guess, almost artificially created environments that are able to mitigate the worst effects of climate change because they can afford that. A bit like perhaps um, we were talking the other um, in one of the episodes about that television series, The Dome, you know, the mm. idea that we can sort of construct this 
um, this uh, dome to keep us all um, snug and safe and sound from whatever holocaust is going on around us. But the question is, can you afford to get buy your ticket into the dome? That's what mm. it's dependent upon. And, um, and that's kind of almost a society that we're in now. So there's technology around to do probably anything and everything as long as you've got the money to, mm. to buy it, whatever that is. Mm. Um, the third one, um, which kind of he sort of sees as almost more similar to rentism, which is the socialism response, is like, well, yeah, um, uh, that's all fine, but a lot of people are not going to be able to afford that. So the state needs to step in with sort of social welfare programs mm. that provide the means of the the poor or the yep. disenfranchised yep. or the unemployed or the yep. old or whatever to still get the benefit of this technology by the state basically subsidising the costs, whether we're talking about housing, computers, the internet, libraries, whatever we can think of, yep. it requires, um, you know, a, a sort of a, a welfare estate socialist model mm. of, you know, planned economic activity um, to ensure that, you know, the, this technology is spread as, as equally as possible and distributed as equally as possible yep. amongst all the citizens. Yep. Um, cutting to the chase and why it's therefore done in that order, perhaps, perhaps the most likely and obviously the more stark um, possible future that Freire then poses is the, the idea of um, uh, what, what he describes as exterminism. And that's, you know, ostensibly the idea which is, you know, coming out maybe of almost like the Occupy movement and so many things, um, and particularly, I guess, um, one of the links to all of the the the, um, the kind of cyberpunk and other forms of science fiction that he's spent a lot of time, you know, lovingly referring to in his book, um, you know, is really this idea that we might all are getting fairly close to a point where at some point the capitalists and the owners of the technology are going to recognise mm -hmm. that um, that uh, if if human labour becomes redundant and given that for the overwhelming majority of the planet or for humanity the only thing that people have to sell is their labour. Once their labour is no longer even required, and by labour we're now using it in the broader sense of any kind of creative productive capacity, whether that's making videos to creating mm. widgets on a factory floor, yeah. to being a doctor or an accountant or whatever has been automated and more cheaply and efficiently taken yeah. over by robotics. Yeah. Yeah. So once we're divorced from the need of needing really labour at all, then the question begins to increasingly arise of, well, why do we need people at all <laughs> and especially if that means that the only way to now control and subjugate this increasing amount of people that are now disenfranchised unemployed and fighting over the um the what's left of the um the holocaust on the planet that we haven't yet destroyed for those scarce resources of water and food and shelter without the means of being able to um get those except presumably through uprising and conflict and fighting over these scarce resources well we're going to need one of two things which is either for the the, the one percent wealthy elite the owners of all of this technology the means to subjugate police and um you know um exterminate uh, uh, house people <laughs> or to basically exterminate yeah. because that would be perhaps a much more efficient and cheaper yeah. option i figured it was going to be ominous with yeah. a term like exterminism yeah so so it's interesting um, pondering that and i think i, I know that we uh, talked a bit offline yeah. but um you know, um, I, I definitely want to, the book is really beautifully written. Um, I love the idea of um, just, 
um, I'll come back to this with some other reading I've been doing inspired by Freya's own reading mm. around, um, yeah, the the part that literature and particularly science fiction as a as a, as a literary form has given to uh, over such a long time has given um, to yeah the juxtaposition I guess of sort of you know politics and history um, told through science fiction is just brilliant yeah. in itself. Yeah, so, it's yeah. a, so it's a fantastic read. It's an inspiring read. It's challenging. It's thought provoking. Um, but um, <laughs> there's a but. There's always a yeah, but. Um, you know, uh, Freire is definitely not um, you know some misty-eyed utopian. That's not what he's about. I think he's posing some really serious, interesting ideas that we we're, we're all grappling with. And um, one would have to say, as we were talking off air, when one just even briefly spends some time looking at the news on any given day, let mm, alone mm. reading history, mm. that, um, you know, <laughs> on the balance, one would have yeah, to say that externalism yeah. definitely looks like probably by far the more likely. I get the feeling that's the, the alternative that Donald Trump would prefer. The, the alternative that Donald Trump would prefer because for the people that um, it doesn't apply to, which are basically as well, always. Well, the people who voted for him. Yeah. Uh, well, for some of them, it will apply to them, um, maybe unbeknownst to them. They, they maybe vote for him in the hope that he'll save them from this fate. Um, I think mm -hmm. that not often conscious that he'll actually probably most likely deliver them to their fate. Mm -hmm. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, time will tell on that fairly soon as we mm -hmm. were a few weeks away from the inauguration mm -hmm. and how quickly that balloon lasts or that that um, illusion lasts mm -hmm. before it's popped. But but for the wealthy elite, um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, this is Tats Lotto. I mean, if they've got the means to get off the planet or certainly to safeguard their own interests as always on the planet, then really what happens to the rest of the planet is completely irrelevant to them other than the simple terms of cost. And whilst there's a use for cheap labour, which has really been the only thing that stopped this from occurring um, now. Um, you know, I, I mean, I mean, really, I guess for even we've only got to refer back in our own contemporary history to um, you know, the Nazism and the extermination mm, of, mm. Of, of, of the Jews, of, of getting to a point where you mm. worked people to death and once they'd got past their use-by, well, you didn't need any more use because yeah. they weren't human beings. They were just a means to an end. Yeah, that's the area where I get a, have a bit of a problem. I mean, people, uh, I, mean, I guess they were back in, in the Second World War and before that within Germany, but... Are we still like that to to be certain areas of the population, the one percent or whatever you want to call them? Are they really that heartless, or that they would do that? I wonder. Yeah, look, I, I mean, because yeah. we have the precedent of Nazi Germany, um, surely they'd be aware of that. I mean, yeah, know, look, you know it's, a, I mean? it's just it's... a really interesting question, Russ. You know, I guess really interesting to ponder on New Year's Day, twenty seventeen, and um. You know, um, where are we at? You know, as as individuals and a, and a species and so mm. forth. But I don't have a um, a fleshed out mm. um, you know answer to that. I mean, what I do have from from my sum of living on the planet and reading is that um, human beings are capable of it all. From mm. from the extraordinary and and the amazing and 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 um, and wonderful. Um, you know, to to just absolute horror and, and mm. I mean, this is played out on our tv screens every day and it would appear to me is mostly you know without going too far mostly only really abated because of um you know ostensibly sort of self-interest i mean if there's a buck to be made in something then someone's going to make that buck and it doesn't matter 
how dangerous, how unethical, how abhorrent, how cruel, um, what the impacts or effects of that might be on others. Mm, mm. Um, if there's a buck to be made, we'll make it. I mean, one's only got to think of, you know, the, the I mean, I guess, I mean, the, 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 right now, the real condition for, you know, um, over probably half the world's population that don't have enough to eat in a world still surrounded by abundance and the means of, um, you know, feeding the world probably 10 times over. Mm, mm, why does mm. half the world starve? Now, you know, um, you know, um, why do we still have the sort of infant mortality rates in a world where other people are getting, you know, triple bypasses and talking about cryogenetics mm. at age 100 yeah. that haven't contributed jack shit to society, yeah. you know? So, yeah. so in, so, so, so without getting too dystopian about it, um, you know, that, um, I guess Frere's saying, I mean, I guess, uh, that's another perhaps dichotomy or way of trying to untangle what he's talking about. Is, I guess the more utopian um, vision, perhaps like a communist one, and we can come back to that, which is maybe what sustains people like me and you in doing the swamp and in reading and writing and um, thinking about collectives and listening to Professor Wolfs and other speakers and the things that we're doing, this hope that um, there is a vision of a better world out there. And if we can just get it real enough and share it with enough people that We'd like to think that overwhelmingly the majority of people surely would see that too and want mm. to be part of that. Mm. Um, there's another perhaps more dystopian view that says, but yeah, like if you, if you, another vision is as long as there's made to be made and I'm all right today, Jack, and I've got a solution mm. to this problem that, I, you know, um, yeah, climate change might be a problem, but not for me, or um, that might be one for future generations. Um, well, that's basically how capitalism, but in particular, has run up to now. Is yeah. if, if there's something to be exploited to make profit, because that's its, you know, um, prime reason for yeah. existence, then it will be exploited. And um, um, you know, and and in, in that context, that's stark and scary. And I mm. think that um, you know that so so, it, which is kind of interesting. It's almost like, but perhaps in a Freudian way, I keep. I keep um, um, tripping over the um, exterminism with sort of kind of extremism. Um, and, <laughs> That's and interesting. It's probably yeah. almost because you do, it's, you do, because yeah. it's a little bit outside my scope. And I see that <clears> as being just like, whoa, you know, really? Um, but I mean, even like on, on sort of recent science fiction films, like, you know, um, uh, um, yeah, the one that sort of set uh, District 9 and, and, and sort of. Um, and and sort of other dystopian films about you know the road um um yeah you know, with Viggo Morgensen and yeah. um and other kind of you know um you know end of the world millenarian visions I mean um um that's probably closer to what I'm seeing on my mostly on my TV screen yeah. than some of the utopian visions yeah. that seem to find very it's very difficult to get any airspace at all mm. not because they don't have their own power not because Ultimately, there are. I agree with Fair, our only solution, but um, it su just seems such a long way from where we're at at the moment. You know, mm. um, so so yeah. I to me, uh, it was a brilliant read, and I, I would I would actually sort of say uh, a must read for okay. um, for anyone. What was it again? Just just for so, um, reference. So final? It's, yep. So it's uh, Peter Fraze, F R A S E. Peter Fraze, Four Futures. The Future of Capitalism. It's published by Verso um, and Jacobin Magazine. Okay. Highly recommend. Good one.
So let's uh, wrap it up. So let's wrap it up. So let's, so so firstly, certainly wishing everybody a, um, a a really happy new year and a fantastic 2017. Um, yep. Um, I think that we're uh, both in mind um, to to resolutely build upon um, the successes of 2016. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, um, All those good and, things. Um, we we look forward to uh, to keep wading and making our way through the swamp. Absolutely. Sayonara. Mm, ciao. Bye.